What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Auto Safe Disabled. Today we're doing the part dos of the Legend of Zelda franchise. And we just got off uh, on the last episode, if I remember correctly, uh, on talking about the beginnings of the Wind Waker game. And uh, I think we uh, talked about our thoughts on some of the stuff so far we've discussed. And uh, so... Coming uh, off of that, we uh, have uh, the information of uh, the release of the Wind Waker. Uh, following it uh, came the Legend of Zelda Collector's Edition, which included the original uh, The Legend of Zelda, uh, Zelda 2, Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask, and a demo of the Wind Waker. And uh, GameSpot noted that Majora's Mask suffered from a frame rate which appear choppier and inconsistencies in uh, the audio. And uh, this compilation uh, was never sold commercially and originally could only be obtained by purchasing a GameCube bundled with the disc. So, one of the games looked and sounded bad. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, which, I mean, a lot of games nowadays can have that problem, too. <laughs> yeah, a lot of games now, they still have that fucking issue. <laughs> um... Uh, then uh, after the Wind Waker and everything, we have the release of Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages, which are two uh, separate games, but they're, I think, kind of the same game, if I remember correctly. Don't they follow like a side story of like a boy and a girl? Something like that. Can't remember. <laughs> uh, they were released uh, simultaneously for the Game Boy Color and interact using passwords or a game uh, link cable. And after one game has been completed, the player is given a password that allows the other game to be played as a sequel. And they were developed by Flagship in conjunction with Nintendo, uh, with supervision from Miyamoto. And after the team experimented with porting the original uh, Legend of Zelda to the Game Boy Color, they decided to make an original trilogy and uh, to be called the Triforce series. And when the password system linking the three games... Uh, proved too troublesome the concept was reduced to two games at miyamoto's suggestion and these two games became oracle of ages which is more puzzle based and oracle of seasons which is more action oriented which i can understand why they got rid of it because i remember playing games as a kid that required like passwords especially for fucking save files or something like that that always pissed me off i thought it was the dumbest shit ever there's a lot of old games that did that back in the day. It pissed me off to no end. Hell, even Mortal Kombat had that at one point. Yeah. Which I think it was just in... Was it just in Armageddon? I believe so. But it, it was so dumb. To me, I, I want to say I can understand why they did it. Because I can't because of how fucking stupid it is. Well, I'm sure there's probably some reason to it, but... But I, I know that password system, it makes it kind of makes sense. That way you can have like an alternate start or something like that. Or or something like that. To me that makes more sense than just having like passwords and like for save files or for certain missions or something like that. Like, well, I, like what you're saying is like you didn't like it when games had a pat Like you could didn't really, like you got to this level and it gave you a password at the end of the last level and you had to put that password in to start at the level you were at. Yeah, like if, like if yeah. you like if you have to turn off your Game Boy or like go do something, you'd have to remember that password in order to continue your progress. Yeah. Like I remember I had this Lilo and Stitch game on my Game Boy and 
that was not pretty much like the main way to continue. But if if I'm not mistaken, in order to to like if you like turn like I said, if you had to turn off your con like your console or something, in order to pretty much pick up where you left off or like go to that certain level that you were on, you had to enter in a password. Yeah. And it was dumb. Like, <laughs> like I remember like I remember trying to figure out I'm like oh, is it stitch, stitch, Lilo flower gun gun, or is it stitch, flower, flower, Lilo gun stitch? I just wrote them down. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> um, after uh, those games, A Link to the Past was re-released for the Game Boy Advance in 2002 on a cartridge with four swords, and the uh, which was the first multiplayer Zelda uh, game at the time. Uh, four Swords Adventures was released for the GameCube in early 2004, and I actually think I think I had this one. Were all the characters Link? Or? Yes, all four of them were Link. They were different colors. Yeah. You had red, blue, green, green and, and purple. Purple. I thought it was um, orange. No, it's purple. Oh, okay. But, I'm uh, thinking about Assassin's Creed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was released in uh, GameCube early 2004 in Japan and America, and 2005 in January in Europe. And based on the handheld Four Swords, Four Swords Adventures was uh, another deviation from previous Zelda gameplay focusing on uh, level-based and multiplayer gameplay. And the game contains 24 levels and a map screen, and there is no connecting overworld uh, for uh, for multiplayer features. Each player must use a Game Boy Advance system linked to the GameCube via a Nintendo GameCube Game Boy Advance link cable. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Nintendo. And the game features a single-player campaign, in which using a Game Boy Advance is optional. And Four Swords Adventures includes two gameplay modes, uh, Hyrulean Adventure, uh, with a uh, plot and gameplay similar to other Zelda games, and Shadow Battle, in which multiple links played by multiple players battle each other. And the Japanese and Korean versions uh, include an exclusive third segment, Navi Trackers, originally designed as the standalone game Tetra's Trackers. Uh, which contains spoken dialogue for most of the characters, unlike other games in the Zelda series. And I forgot, I completely forgot to go over Navi in the when we were talking about That's characters. What I was thinking. And Fee. Damn it. <laughs> but not. But, um. Navi is the fairy that you have in Ocarina of Time and uh, Majora's Mask. Uh, and Fee is in Skyward Sword, and she's the one that inhabits the sword that you wield. And those are basically the gist of those characters. They basically just stand to be like a companion that gives you some tutorial aspects and stuff like that. And annoyed the shit out of you. And story. That's basically it. Hey, listen. Pretty much. <laughs> um, in uh, in November, November, my bad, of 2004, <laughs> in Japan and Europe, uh, in January of 2005 in America, Nintendo released the Minish Cap for the Game Boy Advance. And in the Minish Cap, Link can shrink in size using a mystical sentient hat named Ezio. Ezlo, my bad. <laughs> I have slight dyslexia. <laughs> and uh, while shrunk, uh, he can see previously explored parts of a dungeon from a different perspective and enter areas through otherwise impassable openings. Uh, and afterwards, in 2006 of November, uh, Twilight Princess 
was released as the first Zelda game on the Wii, and later in December as the last official Nintendo game for the GameCube. And the uh, the console for which it was originally developed, um, the Wii version features a reversed world where everything that uh, is in the West on the uh, GameCube is in the East on the Wii, and vice versa. Yeah, everything was flipped, and the, the only reason they did that is because they were so... <laughs> Most of the population is dominantly right-handed, yeah, it's like and so I, when they wanted to, when they did the Wii version, they wanted you to be swinging with your dominant hand. So they reversed the game in order to make him right-handed for it to fit better with the person playing it. Yeah. So normally, whenever you would turn left on the GameCube, you would turn right on the yeah, on the Wii. Basically, that like the, the notes pretty much have a weird roundabout way of saying it, but yeah, basically they just flip the game. It's like I've always said, left-handed people aren't real, they're just righties looking for, for <laughs> looking for <laughs> attention. <laughs> well, I'm both, so... <laughs> you want attention. <laughs> I guess I do, man. <laughs> I'm like an old Jeffrey Dahmer over here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's because Jeffrey Dahmer was troubled by his ambidextrousness. <laughs> no, he just wanted attention. That was his <laughs> shtick. <laughs> um, the display is mirrored in order to make Link right-handed, like we were just discussing, and to make use of the Wii Remote uh, feel more natural. And the game uh, chronicles the struggle of an older Link to clear the troubles of the interacting Twilight Realm, a mysterious force that appears around Hyrule, and when he enters this realm... He is transformed into a wolf and, and loses the ability to use his sword. I would imagine so. <laughs> oh, yeah. The sword, shield, and other items. We, I, I just thought about, what What about the lefties that did play the Wii? Was, oh, well, there, was there not an option to switch it back? I don't think there was. It, it wouldn't be that hard. It really wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, there are a couple of games where like there's like a mirrored function yeah. or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I mean, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to exclude anybody playing a game. But to me, that's a really big exclusion, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they probably found a way around it, buying the game. But yeah. In my opinion, if you're going to get the game, either have it on GameCube or Wii U. Yeah. That way, you ain't really got to worry about the Wii Remote because I fucking hate that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which they, they might, they might have done that on the uh, on the Switch. Twilight Princess isn't on the Switch. Wait, which Skyward Sword? I'm, I'm stupid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, uh, like I was saying, he uses the loses the ability to use his sword, shield, and other items, but gains other abilities such as a sharpened such as sharpened senses uh, from his new form. And Twilight Princess includes an incarnation of Link's horse, uh, Epona. Uh, for fast transportation and features uh, mounted battle scenarios, including boss battles that were not seen in previous games. And Twilight Princess diverted from the uh, cell shading of Wind Waker and went for graphics featuring more detailed textures, giving the game a darker atmosphere, thus making you feel more adult than previous games. Which, I like Twilight Princess a pretty good bit. And uh, I'd say probably... I'd probably put Breath of the Wild as my second, and then Twilight Princess as my third, honestly. Just because I really like Twilight Princess. It's a good game. <laughs> um, 2006, uh, Game Developers Conference, uh, a new title 
Phantom Hourglass for the Nintendo DS was shown. It revealed traditional top-down Zelda gameplay optimized for the DS's features with a cel-shaded 3D graphical style similar to the Wind Waker for GameCube. Um, I think I played that on mm-hmm. DS at one point. Because mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, is that the one... Did you play that one? Oh, uh, yeah. Is that the one where you have to, like, say things into your mic and stuff like that? And you can draw out, like, a custom path for your boomerang? I think it might have been. Because I, I remember that. I remember playing a little bit of that. <laughs> and I remember at one point trying to talk to somebody through a door. I just ended up blowing into the mic because I couldn't get anything to pick up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So he's like, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> That's the only thing he heard. Uh, the game is a direct sequel to The Wind Waker. Uh, and Phantom Hourglass was released on June 23rd of 2007 for Japan and October for North America and Europe of the same year. Um, the next uh, Zelda game for the DS, which was uh, Zelda, uh, Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks, uh, Soul Train. Soul Train. <laughs> uh, it was released in December of 2009, and in this game, the spirit tracks, uh, railroads which chain an ancient evil, are disappearing from Hyrule. And Zelda and Link uh, go to the Spirit Tower, the ethereal point of convergence for the tracks, to find out why, uh, but villains steal Zelda's body for the uh, resurrection of the Demon King and render disembodied. Zelda is left as a left a spirit, and only Link and a certain few sages can see her. And together they go on a quest to restore the spirit tracks, defeat the Demon King, and return Zelda to her body. So, would you say that this is the most modern era Zelda game? What do you mean by that? I mean, like, in terms of not timeline or anything like that, but like the most modern type of Zelda game. Because it has like trains and stuff in it, or is that pretty much the only thing that sets it apart? This is the only game with trains. But is that but is that like the only thing that makes it feel more modern is that it has trains in it? Oh, you're talking about like in terms of their technology modern. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I I, I guess. But I mean, because trains. I mean, you know, everything's kinda, still pretty fantasy. Just trains really weren't a thing until like you know like the, a few hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's weird because it's like fantasy, but it has trains. Mm. Yeah, it's but but everything was still pretty much like the regular like really fantasy and everything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, bows and arrows like yeah. there weren't like flintlocks or anything. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine Link pulling up and he's like. <laughs> I got my gun. <laughs> <laughs> Stay sharp to get hit. <laughs> uh, Nintendo showcased a Wii U demo reel at E3 2011 that depicted uh, Link fighting a monster in HD. And a new Zelda game uh, for Wii was in development since the end of 2000s. And the title was revealed at E3 2010 as Skyward Sword, but its release was delayed to 2011. The game, uh, the earliest in the Legend of Zelda timeline, reveals the origins of Hyrule. Ganon and many elements uh, featured in previous games. It uses uh, Wii's Motion Plus feature as well, and it was released on November uh, 20th of 2011. And the first run included a 25th anniversary CD of fully orchestrated music from various Zelda games, including Skyward Sword. And, of course, it has also been uh, re-released for the Switch. So, 
I think it's called Skyward Sword HD. Yeah. Yeah. Which, honestly, I want to play it, but I don't want to buy it. <laughs> but I feel like it'd be a lot better than the first time I played it because Switch controls are way better than Wii controls. Yeah. Apart from stick drift. <laughs> Which plagues those Joy-Cons. Yes, it does. Uh, Nintendo further celebrated the 25th anniversary of The Legend of Zelda with Link's Awakening on the 3DS Virtual Console uh, on June 7th of 2011 and Ocarina of Time 3D for the 3DS in mid-June 2011 and Four Swords Anniversary Edition from September 28, 2011 to February 20th, 2012 as free DSiWare. And a limited edition Zelda 25th Anniversary 3DS was released on December 1st, 2011 in Australia. Why in Australia? I don't know. <laughs> um, in 2013, Nintendo released The Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds for the 3DS, uh, which takes place in the same setting as A Link to the Past. And then The Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes, a co-op uh, multiplayer game, was released for the 3DS in October 2015. And then The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask 3D was released for the 3DS in North America and Europe on the 13th of February in 2015, and in Japan and Australia uh, a day later. Why a day later? I don't know. Why didn't just do it the same day? No idea. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like I know we could do it. Well, no, it, it kind of would make sense because they would be a day ahead of us. Yeah, so. but you, usually, like, when they release games, they release it respectively four time zones included. Yeah, yeah, we would get a game at, like, 11 o'clock at night. They'd get a game at, like, 3 in the afternoon or some shit like that. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. I don't know. That's weird. How did uh did you ever play like uh with somebody on the DS before? Nope. Uh, do you know how it worked? Did like you didn't have to, did you have to have internet or did they have like a like a little console like Bluetooth link? I don't really know because I I know this cause I I think it might have been a like a Bluetooth console link because that's how the switches work. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know either. <laughs> weird. <laughs> Handheld multiplayer has always been a weird thing to me. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have, but it's still a weird concept to think about. Yeah. Especially with the way Nintendo went about it for a lot of years. Yeah. That's pretty much anything Anything Nintendo does. It's just weird for a long time. Um, A number of HD remasters have been released, uh, which include The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker HD for the Wii U in 2013. Uh, Twilight Princess HD for the Wii U in 2016, a remake of Link's Awakening for the Switch in 2019, was 2019, Okay. Uh, and a HD remaster of Skyward Sword with optional button-only controls for the Switch in 2021. So that was this year, yeah. Yeah. And the first original HD Zelda game was delayed several times, finally revealing its title at E3 2016 as Breath of the Wild, and was released for Wii U and Nintendo Switch on March 3rd of 2017 as the uh, series' first installment on the latter system, and a sequel was announced during the uh, Nintendo Direct E3 2019 presentation on the uh, June 11th, set for a release in 2022. When was it really announced that long ago? Yes. I thought that was announced like this year or nope. last year. God damn. Man, you think that's long? Just look at any Final Fantasy announcement. Oh, no, I'm not saying that's long. <laughs> I'm just saying, god damn. <laughs> Shit, speaking of which, when was six? When was 16 announced? It would, that, that had to have been last year. It was announced the same time as Avengers, I think. 
Was it? I think. <laughs> when did Avengers come out? <laughs> Avengers came out during the first year we started living here. So, 2019. I think twenty either 2019 or the beginning of 2020, one or the other. Shit. <laughs> and Tom be fucking with me. Man, just look at Final Fantasy VII's remake. Yeah. <laughs> Waited four years for that, homie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Legend of Zelda The Adventure of Link and A Link to the Past have been made available on the Nintendo Switch Online with Ocarina of Time Majora's Mask to follow as part of the expansion pack uh, for the service, as we were talking about last episode. Yeah. Which... I'm kind of looking forward to. And one thing we did not say last episode is, yes, the price is $50 a year, but if you already have a Nintendo Switch Online account, if you have time still left on that run of the account, say like you ju- like it just got renewed, depending on how many months you have left in your current subscription, gives you a discount, a certain amount of discount, depending on how, many, how much time you have left on it. Um... Uh, towards the expansion pack so i don't know how much of a discount they didn't specify but who knows it could just be a like five cents <laughs> so a month is five cents no one nothing though they're gonna be greedy as shit i still think it's it's not very that good of a move to make it 50 unless they're planning on adding a whole bunch of n64 games i, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have made it 50 I pro- at most i would have made it like 30 30 yeah. or 40 yeah but 50 mean, that's like it's not for one not I think the main reason anybody even has Nintendo Online is for cloud saves. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Because, I mean, I know... And playing I, Smash Bros, probably. I mean, I know people play Smash a lot online, which I don't understand why people do that, because the mm-hmm. fucking netcode is absolute horse shit. But, to me, it's almost not even worth it. It's not... To me, I... I... I like it, but then I don't like paying 20 bucks just for cloud saves. Yeah. But then again, it is only $20 a year, which that is nothing. That is literally... Which I like having the access to the NES and SNES apps. Yeah. The main re- and that's the whole reason I would probably get the expansion pass, just to have access to the N64. But my whole stick is I'm probably going to pay for the first year, and if they don't... F- do anything different with it after that first year, I'm probably just going to fucking drop it. Yeah. And if they decide to do anything with it after the first year, I'll probably just pick it back up again. Yeah. And I'll just go back to the regular $20 if they don't. Which, speaking of which, I, I want to, I still want to fist fight Game Freak for all that shit that happened with me and Pokemon. <laughs> I want to, oh, I want to, I want to fist fight everybody in that fucking Game Freak. <clears throat> Have I talked about that in the episode? You haven't. I haven't. We haven't really talked about Pokemon that much. Well, okay, so the thing is, I don't know what the issue was, but my Switch started experiencing a really weird bug that anytime I connect to the internet, my console would, like, I would have to restart my console, and if I didn't, it would crash. It was a weird-ass bug, and the only way to fix it was to just straight up do... An initialization on the console, which basically means return to factory settings. Yeah. And Pokemon was the only game that I own on my Switch that did not support cloud backup. No fucking idea why. Hell, games that I haven't had, that I haven't even owned for quite some time, like Astral Chain, has cloud backup saves. But no, not Pokemon. I literally lost like 110 hours 
like seven or eight shinies and a bunch of nice little Gigantamax. What 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 was the higher variation of Gigantamax? Uh Dynam no, it was no, Dynamax, it was Dynamax, and, then Dynamax and then Gigantamax. I lost all my Gigantamaxes. I lost everything. I mean everything. And yeah, I I, I was so pissed. I and I traded in the cartridge like the next day because yeah. I was so upset by that. And, and and also it really sucked because I was looking forward to playing the expansions. Well, yeah. playing the second expansion some more. Because they added Pokemon from the third generation. Because, like I said, the third generation is my all-time favorite generation. Yeah. And it just, it really put a, a sour, like a sour taste in my mouth. And it makes me a little paranoid. Well, first of all, I'm not, I can't be too pissed at Game Freak for it. But even though that is fucking stupid, they don't have it. But I'm more pissed at Nintendo for having such a weird fucking bug to begin with. Yeah. Because there's not many people that had that bug, but I had to be the, one of the unfortunate souls that did. And it also didn't help, like I said, that the, that the game I probably enjoyed the most was not supported by the cloud. So rest in peace, all my Pokemon. Rest in peace, all my progress. Everything I had done up to that point. And fuck you, Game Freak, at the same time. <laughs> um... So, three Zelda-themed LCD games were created between 1989 and 1992, and the Zelda version of Nintendo's Game & Watch series was released first in August of 1989 as a dual-screen handheld electronic game similar in appearance to today's Nintendo DS. Um, it was re-released in 1998 as a Toy Max uh, Inc. mini-classic and was uh, later included as a unlockable extra in Game Watch Gallery 4, a 2002 compilation for the Game Boy Advance. And while the Game Watch Zelda was developed in-house by Nintendo, the subsequent two LCD games were developed by third parties under license by Nintendo. In October uh, 1989, The Legend of Zelda was uh, developed by Nelsonic as part of the Game Watch line, and this game was an actual digital uh Watch and with primitive uh, gameplay uh, based on the original Legend of Zelda in 1992. Uh, Epoch uh, Company, or Epoch Co., whatever that means, uh, developed Zelda no Denetsu uh, Kamigami no Triforce for its barcode Battler 2 console, and the game employed card scanning technology similar to the later released Nintendo e-reader. And... As a whole lot. <laughs> um, uh, of course, after all this, uh, Hyrule Warriors uh, was a crossover game combining the setting of Nintendo's Legend of Zelda series and the gameplay of uh, Koei Tecmo's Dynasty Warrior series. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was released in North America in September 2014 for the Wii U and Hyrule Warriors Legends a, uh, was a version for the 3DS uh, containing more content and gameplay modifications and that was released in 2016 in March. And if you don't know how Dynasty Warriors plays, just uh, press square to the credits roll. Pretty much just whatever button attacks, just keep pressing it and you'll beat the game. It's, it's great. Not really. It's boring <laughs> as hell. And I was so pissed when I bought that freaking Berserk game, and it was just a Dynasty Warriors game. Yeah, it was just a Dynasty Warriors clone. Because 
I wanted a good berserk game, man. But those don't exist. <laughs> but, dang, man, you hit the wall. I'm trying to pop my back. My back <laughs> hurt, man. Uh, and then uh, after that, the Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity was uh, shown uh, September 2020. Uh, developed by Koei Tecmo, the game shares the hack and slash style of the spinoff game Hyrule Warriors. But, uh, Age of Calamity was released on November 20th, three months after its reveal in September. And, of course, uh, Age of Calamity is basically the same thing, but it follows the events of what happened, I think, before Breath of the Wild. Not really sure, because I don't care to play them. (laughs) Because I don't like Dynasty Warrior clones. Fight me. (laughs) Um... Multiple multiple members of the game industry have expressed how Zelda games have impacted them, um, and this is one of the this is probably one of my favorite segments of the notes I have. It's just this is all people who have given their basically, I guess you could say, proof of how much Zelda has inspired them in their game making, and how you'd be surprised some of the games that Zelda has impacted. So here we go. These members of the game uh, industry include Rockstar Games founder uh, and Grand Theft Auto creator Dan Hauser, who said that the Zelda and Mario games on Nintendo 64 greatly influenced them in developing the Grand Theft Auto series, as well uh, in other 3D games in general. <laughs> oh yeah, because Link really pulling up with that Glock. Oh yeah, man, he was going to steal somebody's Ferrari, bro. Give me your fucking horse. <laughs> Uh, Rockstar founder. Uh, I'll hook you up. <laughs> uh, the other, uh, another Rockstar founder and Grand Theft Auto director, uh, Sam uh, Sam Hauser, uh, also cited the influence of Zelda describing Grand Theft Auto Three. <laughs> stupid nuts. What? <laughs> Grand Th- Zelda meets Goodfellas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically, the guy cited. Uh, the influence is out describing Grand Theft Auto 3 as, in quotations here, from his mouth, Zelda meets Goodfellas. <laughs> Damn. I-, I think he was just going for the meme at that point. <laughs> oh, man. Jesus Christ. Uh, also, uh, the Okami director, uh, Hideka Kam- uh, Kamiya, uh, from Capcom and Platinum Games said that Heideki. he Heideki 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 yeah Heideki Kamiya yeah okay sorry just uh, he said that uh, they said that the uh, he has been influenced by the Legend of Zelda series in developing the game citing a link to the past as his favorite game of all time and also Soul Reaver and Uncharted director Amy Henning from Crystal Dynamics and Naughty Dog cited Zelda as inspiration for the Legacy of Cain series. And if you haven't played that, you should, and we're doing an episode on it. <laughs> um, noting a link to the past influence on Blood Omen and Ocarina of Time's influence on Soul Reaver. And Soul Reaver and uh, Uncharted creator Richard uh, Limmerchand of Crystal Dynamics and Naughty Dog also cited a link to the past approach to combining gameplay with storytelling as inspiration for Soul Reaver, a wing commander, and, uh, Soul Reaver, yeah, sorry, and uh, wing commander and Star Citizen director Chris Roberts 
of Origin Systems and Cloud Imperium Games cited Zelda as an influence on his action role-playing game, Times of Lore. And here's the big one. Here's the big one. The Souls creator. The man, the myth, the legend, he to Taka Miyazaki himself. From From Software. Named A Link to the Past as one of his favorite role-playing games. Uh, and according to Miyazaki, The Legend of Zelda became a sort... This is in quotations here. The Legend of Zelda became a sort of textbook for 3D action games. And uh, I co-director uh, uh, Fumito Ueda, is that how you say that? Ueda? Yeah. Uh, he's from Team Ico, cited Zelda as an influence on Shadow of the Colossus. And Peter Molyneux, I guess that's how you say Molyneux. that. It looks French. Yeah, Molyneux. Molyneux. Oh, yeah, from Lionhead. So it's me, Molyneux. Yeah, my Lionhead Studios and Microsoft Studios stated that the Twilight... Princess is one of uh, his favorite games and an influence for the Fable series. Uh, and of course, Darkside direct, Darksiders director David Adams from Vigil Games cited Zelda as an influence on his work. And Prince of Persia and Assassin's Creed director Raphael Lacoste of Ubisoft cited The Wind Waker as an influence on Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and CD Projekt Red... Um, the creators of The Witcher and Cyberpunk 2077 cited the Zelda uh, series as an influence on The Witcher series, including The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. And Alex Hall cited Majora's Mask as the primary influence on their Bend Drowned web serial and web series. <laughs> and uh, Final Fantasy and the third birthday director, uh, Hajime Tabata of Square Enix, cited Ocarina of Time as inspiration for the seamless open world of is that 15 yeah it's 15. yeah of final fantasy 15 so yeah that's a lot to unpack there <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that's actually all the information we have now <laughs> yeah um so let's be a little bit shorter of a part two but that I, I i felt like putting that in just because i feel like in terms of games nintendo has made i feel like out of the big three Zelda has probably had more inspiration on people than the others might have. Yeah. Because I don't really see people really saying Mario inspired them to do this or anything like that. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at, like, the overabundance, like, the, the majority of games that are action RPGs or anything like that compared to, like, platformers and stuff, like, there's way more of those than there are platformers. Yeah. And... Honestly, if there's any games you're probably going to get inspiration from to do stuff like that, it'd probably be stuff like Zelda and everything. And, of course, later down the line, people are going to be like, you know, The Witcher yeah. inspired me to do this, or, you know, the Soul series did, or anything like that. And so it's just kind of like a... a snowball effect. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just the way I see it being, pretty much. It's just that, in my opinion, I feel like Zelda is more influential than Mario ever could be. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, everybody knows Mario. Mario is the head of Nintendo. Mario is going to make them the money. But in my opinion, Zelda is just better for more reasons than just being something that makes money. And that's one of the reasons why it just gets overshadowed by Mario, because it just it has it hasn't sold as much as Mario. I don't think any game has. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just the way it is. And they're going to prioritize what makes them money. That's just what businesses do. They don't... Believe it or not, 
businesses don't care about you. <laughs> if you think they do, they don't. They don't. They care about what's in your wallet. <laughs> care about that back pocket. They act like they care about you, and they give you stuff that they know you want, just because they know you'll buy it. <laughs> so that's just the way they work. Bottom line for a business and a company is making the bottom line. <laughs> so that's the, to me, that's one of the biggest reasons why Zelda hasn't got the same spotlight as Mario has. Hell, just look at Metroid. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Donkey Kong and stuff like... They're just gone in the wind. Hell, Dread's bringing Metroid back. Attempting to. Yeah. As far, I mean, from what I've heard so far, Dread's sold pretty damn well. Well, yeah, because we haven't had a Metro game in, oh, like, what, like 10 plus years? Probably. Just like they're still, like, how long have we been waiting since the announcement of Metro Prime 4 for Metro Prime 4? <laughs> it's a fever dream, guys. Give up on it. <laughs> Quit hoping. We got another Shin Megami Tensei before Metro Prime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but anyway. But that's my feelings on the Zelda series. Uh, you want to say anything about it or anything like that, Trev? Whatever you feel me. I pretty much spoke my piece on that already. Yeah. But but one thing I will say, I know you said that it definitely doesn't, it hasn't sold as much copies, but I can, one thing I can definitely say, I could go out there and shit talk Mario and nobody would give a fuck. But if I'm like, Zelda, this is not, and then it, I get fucking death threats and <laughs> But... Yeah, it's like to me, Zelda's better in every way than Mario. I don't care what anybody says; that's my opinion. Yeah, it's just it always has and always will be. Don't care what you think <laughs> because you know what? What you think is wrong. Is not what I think. <laughs> but anyway, this uh, we're this one's going to be probably one of our shortest episodes, just because. We had some information left, but it was enough to make an episode, so we did. But anyway, as usual, you know, I uh, appreciate everybody listening. Uh, hopefully, more you, you pass this on to some friends, stuff like that. Hopefully, we get more listening, get more people in here, and um, get on the Facebook page and everything. And, of course, once we get enough people, we'll make a Discord and all that and get even more feedback and everything. But until then, we hope you keep listening. We, 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 we like you. And we want you. And we want you. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, I am your host, Caleb Sinner. And this is me, Trevor King Thick. This has been another episode of Auto Save Disabled. See ya, bozos. See ya in the next episode.